Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Everybody there yet? Amen. Yeah. Psalms chapter number six. Psalms chapter number six. And I'm going to read verse number two. Verse number two. One last thing. Men and women, do not forget our ladies' conference that's on a district level, men on a national level, information and on the bulletin board. Men. So please be diligent in taking care of those matters. And we'll mention that again and again. Psalm 6 and verse number 2. David says, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are vexed. Matthew 26 and verse 41 states these words. He says, watch and pray that ye enter not to temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is, everybody say, weak, weak. Luke 7, 28, for I say unto you, among those that are born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is, everyone say, least, least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Psalmist David says, I am weak. Matthew 26, Jesus speaking unto his disciples. Let them know that the flesh is weak. Luke 7, speaking of John the Baptist, talks about how even he is the least in the kingdom of God. This morning, I want to simply talk or teach, I, I guess, along these lines. And that is the weakest Christian. The weakest Christian. Amen. That even if you were to categorize yourself or label yourself the weakest Christian, that you are still far greater probably than what your mind estimates. Amen. Even if you are the weakest Christian. Father, I come to you today. I'm grateful, Lord, to be in your house this morning. I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, for these people that have gathered together. Lord, to praise and worship and magnify your name. God, we're so grateful today that you have brought us, Lord Jesus, into the service one more time. God, to turn our attention and our lives, God, toward you and what you would have said and what you would have done, Lord Jesus, in this place. We'll give you the glory for it, Lord Jesus, because you are God alone, that your spirit, God, I pray, Lord, walk among us today and we'll thank you and we'll praise you. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Whenever I speak in terms of the weakest Christian, I'm not, I'm not speaking in terms of weakness as someone that is repeat, repetitively, repetitively, sinning willfully okay i'm not talking about 
continuing to sin willfully and willfully, and as a result of that, then be labeled or termed the weakest Christian, the weakest Christian. Uh, if you're consistently sinning or willfully sinning, uh, I'm, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't label you a weakest Christian. I'd, I'd label you a sinner. <coughs> Amen. And so we're not, we're not talking about that today. We're not talking about that. But if you are attempting to serve the Lord, if you're attempting to serve the Lord and put your best feet forward, give God the best that you can possibly give him, then I would say perhaps this message may be for you. Being that you're giving the Lord the best that you can give, yet you have succumbed at times to failure or you have failed at different times and have fallen, then I would say that this, this sermon is for you. It's for those that believe that they're doing the best that they can, yet they feel still yet quite inadequate in what they are doing. They're putting all the effort that they know to into something, but they feel like there is always something more or some portion or part of them that is still lacking. I have several verses of Scripture today. The Bible says in Romans 7, in verse number 19, he says, the Apostle Paul, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. There's that constant warring he was speaking of that's in our members of the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And that is not a battle that's going to go away anytime soon, maybe sooner, maybe than I think if rapture would take place. But nevertheless, it's not anything that's anytime soon that's going to go away. But since there is that constant struggle in that constant battle in our lives, it many times affects our mentality to estimate ourselves and our position and walk with God less than what it really is in the eyes of God. And many times, again, that is nothing more but a ploy of the enemy to make you believe that you are less effective than what you are. That you are, 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 are less powerful than what you are. The Bible further says in Matthew 12, in verse number 20, it says, A bruised reed shall he not break. And smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. So it's speaking here of a, a, a bruised reed and smoking flax. He says, although the reed, although the reed is bruised, he said, the Lord is not one that will look upon a bruised reed and just because of its bruising will go on and break it. Nor just because a, a flax is smoking, just, just shall he not quench. Will he just leave it in that state? But he's going to try to aid. He's going to try to help in some means, in some way. Psalms 51 and verse 17. David, in his prayer of, of repentance and supplication to God, after his failure with Bathsheba, recorded in Psalms 51, he says the sacrifice, sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. And a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And so here is uh, the crux of the reality of Scripture today. Every single one of us has a weakness. We all have weaknesses. There are some that are more evident than others. Some people have physical weaknesses. They might have some type of disability uh, in their physical bodies. 
That is a real weakness that they must contend with. Others have emotional weaknesses, emotional weaknesses that they contend with. Uh, they might be able to mask that over to a certain degree, but there's other times that it's more apparent than other. There are some that have relational, relational weaknesses. They, they have difficulty being in friendships, have difficulty relating with other people. Uh, there are some that have financial weaknesses. Truly, have financial Some, and I, I am not being, uh, I'm not hitting below the belt with this. There's some that have intellectual weaknesses. Sincerely, intellectual weaknesses. And so there, there are some things, there's some people here this morning that if I asked you to do certain things, you would not be able to do because your body, your body would not allow you to do it. Amen. There might be even some, according to others' estimate, you might have some fashion weakness. I'm just throwing that in there just to keep you light. Amen. <laughs> but we all have different types of weaknesses, and mine may not be yours and vice versa, vice versa. But the real issue is this. The real issue is not, do I have weaknesses? That's not the question, do I have weaknesses? But the question that we must ask ourselves is, what am I doing with my weaknesses? What am I doing with my weaknesses? Because normally what we do, and this is society by and large, even outside of the church, we normally deny our weaknesses. If someone was arrogant, they're the last one to tell you that they're arrogant. If someone is short-tempered, they'll probably be the last maybe to tell you that they're short-tempered. We, we, we deny our weaknesses. Some even go to the degree of defending, defending their weaknesses. And then there's other classifications of people that they excuse, excuse their weaknesses. They can maybe uh, cause someone else to be the blame for something that is really their weakness. And the, the, the common thing is this. Most of us that really know what our weaknesses are, we really resent our own weaknesses. It, it's that portion or that part of us, we really wish that we wasn't like that or we didn't respond like that. Or, you know, for, for instance, me, and, and this is true, I, I'm, this is a bad weakness for a pastor. Uh, I have sometimes people go around and say, why don't you smile? I don't realize I'm not smiling. Some people just walk around and their face is stuck with their teeth showing. Well, that's just not me. I am a man of multiple expressions, if you haven't noticed. And as I'm sitting on the platform sometimes, I, I got to be self-conscious uh, because I know I'm not just sitting up there smiling like, you know, I just was handed a million dollars. Man, I'm thinking and my eyes are scrunched together and all the wrinkles on my face are apparent, so on and so forth. And so the, it's a weakness, if you will, of mine that, that I just don't just stand around smiling all the time. As a matter of fact, I, I probably don't smile a whole lot. Someone's saying, I know that, right? I've been thinking about saying something to you. <clears throat> But, but we have a tendency to hide them. We don't want anybody to see our weaknesses. But the awesome thing is this. The kingdom of God works in a total upside-down manner from the way that normal life works. And whenever it comes to God, uh, God likes to take those things that we would defend, 
those things that we would like to hide, those things that we would like to excuse, and those things sometimes that we even resent. And God would like to take our weaknesses, and he wants to know what we're going to do with our weakness because God has the uncanny ability to take the thing that is a weakness to you and make it a strength, a strength unto him. God, newsflash, God wants to use your weakness. God wants to use your weakness. Now, that doesn't make sense to us. That falls on our ears this morning, and that doesn't make sense to us. We think that God only wants to use our strengths. We think God wants to come down in an area of our life that, that we're already strong in, we're already proficient in, and God wants to take the, that and go forward and say, boom, see, I knew they were already good at that, so let's go. But the reality is this, God wants to find the area of your life that is a weakness to you, and he wants to use that. Someone say amen. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 and verse 8, Isaiah said it well concerning this upside-down kingdom of God. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. God works on a whole different level than you and I are. Here it is this morning. God's smarter than us. God is smarter than us, and the way that you think he should work is often the exact opposite of the way that God really does work. Amen. He, he, he says, I don't want to work around your weakness. God's not interested in working around your weakness. He's not even interested in working in spite of your weakness. But the desire of God is to work through your weakness. Know what the scripture says, the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 27. Listen to these words that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. So God works through what would on the surface seem to be foolish things. He works and uses weak things, things that are despised. All of these type of things are the very things that God has chosen. And the reason why is because it shows forth God's power and God's glory, it says, so that no flesh shall glory in his presence. God wants to use your weakness so that whenever the end of the day comes and there has been a success by using your weakness, that God gets the glory. He doesn't want to use, per se, something that you're already proficient in. So that whenever the day is ended, someone might think, well, I tell you what, well, Brother Terry's really good at that. And so that's the reason why that came about as it came about. No, 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 no. He's going to take Brother Terry's weakness. And God's going to allow it to be successful by using his weakness. So that where everybody that sees that knows, I tell you what, God is really using 
Amen. Brother Terry McGee or whoever, I'm just seeing his face, and so that's the reason why I'm using him. Amen. This morning. And so God uses the weak things of our lives so that he will get the glory. That's one of the reasons why he took Gideon's army from what 22,000 was down to 300. So that whenever the victory for Israel came against the Moabites, days in, everybody knew that wasn't because they had an army of 22,000. They ended up only having an army of 300. And God did what God did, and he took the weakness of those men and made it his strength. And everybody knew without batting the eye, it was all because of God. It was all because of God. Zechariah 4 and verse 6, a portion of that that we oftentimes quote is this. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And that's good news for us this morning. That's good news for us as a church. That's good news for us as Christians today. Because the reality is most of us are not extraordinary people. Most of us don't have IQs that kind of go on the high end of the spectrum. Most of us are just just normal individuals. We don't have no extraordinary uh, intellect. We're not a bunch of models walking around here with uh, just perfect bodies and body types and, and body styles. We're just normal, ordinary, average people. But God says... That's okay. I don't have to have anything extraordinary. Just give me somebody that's normal. Give me somebody that's average. Give me somebody with just natural strength and a natural talent and a natural mind and just normal smarts. And I will work through them and take what's natural and turn it to supernatural because I am God. My power can shine. Amen. My power can shine through them. Amen. Again, whenever I'm talking about weakness today, I'm not talking about uh, just habitually committing sins. Not talking about that or just character flaws that, that you can change like overeating or impatience or greed or laziness or anything like that. Whenever I'm talking about weakness, I'm talking about a limitation in my life that maybe I've inherited or I cannot change. Physical defects that maybe I was born with that cannot be altered. Extended circumstances that are absolutely beyond my control. Uh, unexpected financial setbacks that I did not necessarily contribute to. Relationships, uh, pressures within a family that I didn't have no hand in. Emotional tendencies, amen, that I'm just predisposed toward. Talents, if you will, that are beyond my ability. God can take all of those things that would be a weakness and he can use them for his glory. Someone say, amen. And so with that being said, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, he said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He describes the treasure we have being in earthen vessels, not silver, not gold vessels. He thought that the best parallel that there could be to mankind, to the church, to people, wouldn't be some vessel of some precious metal or of some great ornate embellished vessel but earthen vessels that the excellency the reason for that that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us things about clay pots or earthen vessels is this is that they break easily doesn't take much to break an earthen vessel as a matter of fact they many times in that day were numerous because they were easily broken they could be replaced they're not indestructible. 
clay pots, earthen vessels, are not indestructible. And more than that, every clay pot has inherited design flaws in it. They do. You closely examine a clay pot, you're more than likely going to find some type of design flaw. They are imperfect. They're just ordinary containers. Amen. But they have, if you will, a great God insomuch that Paul said, the treasure that we receive, the spirit of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the power of the Holy Ghost is inside these earthen vessels. I think it was someone along the way in the past even wrote a book about how God uses cracked pots. Amen. God uses cracked pots. And so we are the type of people that God, amen, wants to use. Amen. The Bible not only tells us to admit our weakness, but it tells us to be thankful for our weaknesses. I'm not joking you. I might want to come to church and take the magic pill of the Holy Ghost in the Bible and get rid of all of my weaknesses. <laughs> and rather than being thankful for or grateful for my weaknesses. Many people want to be free of their weaknesses. But the reason why I want to be thankful for my weaknesses is because there are many benefits, many blessings in disguise that weaknesses are to our lives. Paul understood this perhaps better than anybody in the New Testament Scripture. When the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, he had been dealing with a thorn. The Bible says in his flesh, you can read most people. We don't have no definitive uh, information about what that thorn was. Some people say that Paul had weak eyes, that his vision wasn't very well. You can read a variety of things, but we don't know conclusively what that thorn in the flesh was uh, exactly for Paul. But it was something that impacted his life. It affected the way that he could operate or do things. And it was something that bothered him enough that he went to God with it. It was something that concerned him enough that he thought it wasn't good. It wasn't so good that he thought, God, you need to do something about this thorn that's in my flesh. And so he would address the Lord on three separate occasions, asking God to take that thorn from his flesh. Amen. And the response of the Lord in, in verse number nine of Second Corinthians 12 says that he said unto me, this is God speaking to Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. He says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He says, most gladly, therefore, will I, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure, he says, in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When Paul understood that this thing that he was wanting to be removed from his life that was bothersome to him, that no doubt was a weakness in his estimation, when he understood that that thing that was placed in his life was a means through which Christ could showcase his strength, Paul says, then just leave it right where it's at. 
leave it right where it's at. And all the distresses and the infirmities, reproaches, whatever else may come in my life that I would deem bad, that I would deem uh, 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 that I wish could be removed. Uh, I'm just going to take pleasure, if you will, in them. I'm just going to thank God, amen, for what I have and where I am because I understand that God can work in my weakness and bring about his strength. And so what it does is this, whenever we become thankful, amen, for our weaknesses, it does nothing more but guarantee God's help in our life, amen, it will cause us to value not just ourselves, but value others, amen, someone say amen, we know today we get any rope from the store and we see that braiding or that intertwining of the rope and we appreciate that, have you ever had a rope that there was a, a strand of it, you could start to see the rope fray? But you was okay because it was just one and it's made up of maybe eight. Yeah. All right. And the only time that you got nervous, especially if it had tension on it and was holding it, is like whenever there's like just one line of those braided, right? One line of those braided, those braided uh, fibers that are left. And it's then you decide, you know what, I better go get me another rope because this thing ain't going to hold wrong. And it's because you took the weakness of that one strand was all that was left. That's all that was there. But folks, whenever we come unto the Lord, amen, it's by putting your weakness together with my weakness and sister so-and-so's weakness back there with that brother's weakness. And when you take us all and you put our weaknesses together and you braid them together, it's then you have something that is strong enough as a church here at 1121 Cedar Street that can withstand, withhold, now, we would all be afraid if it was just afraid to just one. But if you can take your weakness and put it with my weakness and that one with this one, honey, we stand together strong. I don't have to put your strength with my strength. I can take your weakness and put it with my weakness. And we can build a strong assembly and a strong church. Someone say amen. That's one of the great values of unity. That's one of the great values of having a church family. You don't have to necessarily be strong. We can just put all of our weaknesses together and benefit from the strength of our unity. Amen. Benefit from the strength of our unity because we're all weak in different ways. We're all weak in different ways and sometimes at different times. But even however the dynamics of that may change, we're still strong together. The weaknesses may change and the timing of them all may change, but together we're still strong. Amen. The Bible says this in Romans 14 and 1, and I'm just going to read a few verses of Scripture here. Romans 14 and 1, the Bible says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputation. Said he's weak in the faith, but, but, but receive him. Romans 15 and 1, it says, When then, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And not to please ourselves. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 29. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory. I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 22. To the weak. Paul says became I as the weak. That I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. 
Here is a, 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 a flashbulb, if you will, idea for weakness, our own personal weakness, each one of us. The greatest thing that weakness does for us is that it gives us a ministry. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest things that ministry does for us is, is gives us a ministry. Because God put us on this earth not just to live for ourselves, but to help. Amen. To help other people along the way. In reality, some of your all's greatest ministries flow out of your weaknesses. Flow out of your weaknesses. Amen. The greatest life message. I found this in my own life, found it in other people's life, people that I serve with. Sometimes our greatest life message comes out of some of your deepest hurts. Your deepest hurts. The very thing that caused you the most grief. The most pain, the most frustration. God uses a message from that deep, dark valley that you went to through in order to be an encouragement, a wind in the sails of somebody else. Some of the things that you have been the most embarrassed by in your own life. Amen. Some of the things you've been the most ashamed of. In your own life, we heard it Friday night. Some of the things you've been the most ashamed of in your own life that maybe you even don't want anybody else to know about, God uses that that you said is weak, and he uses it to be a strength for somebody else. Because here's what pain does. By and large, we live to, in a very desensitized society. But pain makes us sensitized to one another's hurts and pain. You'll never, be, you'll never be more sensitive to another's financial struggle until you have walked the road of being in a financial struggle. You, you'll never be any more sensitive to uh, someone that has lost a child if you've lost a child. That there, there's just groups that form whenever someone has been through something. You're going to find the most sensitivity and aid from someone that has walked in those shoes. Could you imagine these certain things happen in our life? Because I know we say this. Well, no one's going through what I've been through. But the thing is, the reality is there probably is somebody. You might not be aware of it because they've tried to tuck that back and hide it. They've tried to, you know, that's something that they were ashamed of or embarrassed about. And they try. But the reality is there probably is somebody. Amen. And we need to come to the reality that those things that we go through can be a strength. What we say is a weakness can be a strength for someone else. And Christ may have given or allowed, at least permitted, some of these things to come into our lives so that we could minister. That we could minister to somebody else that is going through that or is going to go through that or maybe already has went through that but they've not quite yet recovered yet. Amen. They can look at the wounds in your life and it can give them hope. Amen. It can give them hope. It gave Thomas hope upon first time seeing Jesus. He says, look at the wounds that are in my hands and in my feet. Amen. And that bolstered the faith of Thomas because he seen the wounds that was in somebody else's body. Amen. We benefit from that. And so what's the bottom line? The bottom line is this. We need not to use our weakness as an excuse Of why we cannot do anything for God. 
We need not to use our weakness as an excuse to cast off on why we cannot function, amen, in the church of the living God. Because it may be your weakness that's the very thing that God wants to use in order to bring glory unto himself. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. We need to adopt uh, the attitude of Micah whenever he said, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Huh? He says, don't, don't rejoice against me because I have weaknesses. Don't rejoice against me because I have faults and there have been times that I have failed. Because there's nothing that the enemy fears the most. Even whenever what we call this morning, even when the weakest Christian is trying to apply themselves to the purpose and the will of God. Because the enemy knows even if the weakest Christian is doing that, God in the end is going to be getting the glory, amen, for what is said and what is done. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 32, Hebrews 11 and verse 32, it says, this is the Hall of Faith chapter, and what shall I, say, what, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah and of David also and Samuel. And of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Look now, out of weakness were made strong. If you were to do a quick survey of the scriptures and look at some of those characters that we esteem in the Bible as being giants in the eyes of the church of today, we look at their lives carefully enough, we would see that they had flaws and they had weaknesses. If we were to consider Moses, Moses the great deliverer of the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage, we look at some of his weaknesses. One of his weaknesses is Moses was a man, as it would seem, that got pretty quick. He, 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 had, a, he had temper. Whenever he seen one of his brethren uh, being taken advantage of by one of the Egyptians, he didn't just slap the wrist, he killed the man. He killed the man and then hit him under the sand. Whenever word got out about that, of course, he, he, he fled. And yet the Bible eventually calls Moses to be the meekest man of Scripture, which meekness is simply this, anger that's under control. God used that for that, his glory. And, and just to show that God wants to use your weakness and you need to allow God to use his weakness, another weakness that Moses either legitimately had, which I think he legitimately, some say it was excuse, but I think there was a legitimacy, amen, to Moses saying that he was a man, never God wanted him to be the delivery, said, I am a man of slow speech, so on and so forth, because Aaron did come along, and God did make Aaron the mouthpiece. Although we read in Acts chapter number 7 that the Bible says that Moses uh, uh, spake uh, with, with great words, I want you to consider just something with me for a moment. So here's a man whose ability to speak, as it were, was not the greatest. God wanted to use him as deliverer, gave him Aaron. Aaron comes along to be a mouthpiece, amen, for Moses. And so many times he would speak to the children of Israel by virtue of Aaron. But God still wanted to use that weakness of Moses. And the reason why I say that is this, and this is why it's important to allow God to use your weakness. Because we've looked at this all times, but we need to consider this angle of it as well. Do you remember whenever God had spoke to Moses and to Aaron 
And here the children of Israel, they're languishing. They're needing water. They're needing to have water. uh, And they're without it. It's very, very scarce. And he says, I want you to go out. And this was the prescription for Moses. I want you to speak to the rock. And upon you speaking to the rock, water will come forth for Israel. Moses having though this speech difficulty weakness. I don't want to expose that to the nation. Don't expose that to the nation. I'd rather that just be something me and Aaron are privy to. I, I, I don't, God, I know what you're asking of me, but see, you're asking me to do something in a place and a point that I am weak in. And the Bible tells us then, rather than Moses allowing God to use his weakness, he goes out there and he smites the rock twice. And God allows water to come forth. But Moses will always be, always be on the east side of Jordan, never passing into the promised land. Because he refused to allow God to use what he estimated as a weakness in his life. Moses would only be able to stand on a mountain and look at everything that Israel, what could have even been his. Because he refused to allow God to use the weakness that he had in his life. So I'm telling you this morning, you, 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 you will find yourself in a greater place of weakness, might I say, if you don't allow God to use the weakness you got. You, you're going to keep your life devoid of some things that God wants to bring into your life and what he wants you to experience, amen, if you'll just allow God to use it. Moses, I wonder, he would have been in the land of promise, in the land of Canaan with all the rest of them, had he just allowed God to take that thing that he said, he's weak in and speak to the rock but people would see a man that may have stuttered I don't know a man that may have stuttered or couldn't put his words quite together but they would see that whenever he said what he said however however insufficient it may have seemed however however weak it may have seemed they would have seen that whenever he spoke water came forth by the providence see because what that did was this follow me now I know we, we, we talk about the rock because the Bible tells us in the New Testament scripture that rock that followed them was Christ, okay? And that, that, that Moses really ruined a type there because he smote the rock twice, all right? And Christ was only to be smitten once on Calvary, okay? But there was another venue too. By doing what Moses did, by striking it, and water come forth. There almost seems to be a marriage that in the eyes of the people will look at Mo. He strikes and water comes out. Whereas if he had spoke with the frailty of his weakness of speech, they would have known without doubt, boy, this is the power of God. And so 
So I'm asking us this morning, I'm not asking for, 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 for us to cloak those things, but I'm asking for us to bring those things into the presence of God and say, God, this, these are some things that, 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 that are deficient in me. These are things that I'm weak in. But, God, I know that out of weakness you can bring some strength, and it will be your strength. And, God, if you can do it for your glory and if you can do it for your purpose, I'll make myself vulnerable for the purpose of the glory of the Lord. I'll make my Myself vulnerable for the purpose of the glory of the Lord. If you'll stand with me today. Hallelujah. Jacob was a deceiver. He and his twin brother come out of the womb and he's going to be the deceiver. Esau's issuing forth and Jacob has a hold of Esau's heel. He's the heel grabber. He's, he's the supplanter. He's the deceiver, the manipulator, the schemer. And so his early life seemed to follow that. He was true to his name. He made one mess after another and it seemed like uh, whenever he would do these things, then he would just run away from it, as some do. You know, and rather than being head on with the mess that took place, some, rather than addressing it, have a tendency to run, run from it. So he was on a race his entire life, and his race his entire life was running from the next mess that he involved his life in. Until one night, by the river Jabbok, as he had already sent his family in bands of men and livestock over Jabbok. He was left there alone, the Bible says, and an angel of the Lord came down and began to wrestle with him. Jacob, once again in his wrestling match, speaks into the angel and the angel's wanting to be let go and Jacob says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. God says, okay, I'll bless you. The angel of the Lord touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, which is one of the greatest points of strength in Jacob's life because it was that area of his life that constantly allowed him, so to speak, to run. And forever then after that moment in time, Jacob would walk with a limp, walking with a limp, wasn't going to be able to run. We're going to be able to run from his weaknesses anymore. It's going to be a constant reminder for him that even with weakness, that he could still depend on God. Folks, I don't want anyone to ever succumb to the idea. Well, buck up, buddy. Buck up, sir. Be strong. I think sometimes rather than heralding to one another, be strong, we need to allow each other just to be real. To be weak, as it were. How many of you may be sitting under the sound of my voice this morning, if we can bow our heads, how many of us may be sitting under the sound of my voice this morning has been like the Apostle Paul that's constantly been addressing God, 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 I got, I got this, I got this, and 
you know, it's, it's, it's just a weakness, Lord. You know, I, I, maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's an emotional thing. And, you know, God, I, I have this. And, and Lord, uh, if you could just, you know, remove it, change it. It may be that very thing that God wants to use for his purpose and for his glory. He might want to take somebody. He might want to take somebody and use, use whenever they have an ardent affection for someone. He might want to use that for having the ardent affection and being so vehement, if you will, about truth and about, about the purity of God's word. He, he might want to be taking some of those things and using it for, for his glory and purpose so that people will wag their heads and say, I tell you what, the only thing I know is that the presence and the power of God is doing something through that individual because I, I, I know them. I know them. I know who they are. I know, I, know, I know what some of their faults, I know what some of their failures have been. That, that must be the handiwork of God. I plead with you today. I plead with you today. Please don't be a Moses that's smiting the rock whenever God's asking you to use your weakness. Whenever God is asking you to use your weakness. Hallelujah. It would be of great benefit this morning if you allow God into that innermost spot of your life and use your weakness. These altars are open today. Even if you're the weakest Christian today, you're still stronger than the greatest adversary in your life. Even if you feel like you're the weakest individual sitting in this place this morning, the most with the least to be able to give unto God to, for anything to use or, or for anything for his kingdom or program. If, that, if you, that's what you feel like today, I want you to know this morning, you are still greater and more powerful than the greatest adversary that would come against you in this world that we live here below. Hallelujah. Because it's not by your mind, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God that He can do and will do, amen, something in and through your life. I would ask if we could come to the front this morning. We come to the... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.